Hello everyone. I have been occupying myself with a sort of a concept which is difficult to describe these days. You read in the papers, including some of the leading ones, that the days of classical music are coming to an end. I never heard such nonsense before. What is it about classical that seems to put music aside from one end to another in the minds of so many people? Dr. Carl Haas. He was the popular host of nationally syndicated Adventures in Good Music. You can learn more about this series on our web blog, www.classicalmusic.network. But now, here is another of these radio broadcasts. Let me welcome you today once again to our monthly Mystery Composer Quiz. Now, today's is a little different from others, for there are certain idiosyncrasies which will help you right from the start. Let me not go beyond that, that we just invite you to the program entitled Name the Composer. As usual, without any comment, here is a sample of his writing. Thank you. 
Well, there are various clues to be taken from this, the first piece, by our mystery composer. First of all, he did not live in Bach's time. Secondly, there is a joy which is found in everything he wrote throughout his life. He has written music of a pur purposefulness, as I could perhaps put it, and a candor and just sheer pleasure which is rare on the scene of the time in which he functioned primarily. Let me give you a little bit of his early life. As usual, he started very early. He was the son of a cultured, land-owning gentleman who was not without means. And at the age of five, he started to study the violin, later the viola, and the piano. And much of his early life was spent on the family country estate. And there, this young boy was able to absorb much of the rich heritage of the region's folk song. You heard perhaps a touch of that in what was just played. And it also was to emerge successfully in many other compositions of his early career. Among them, music for various instruments. And I'd like to have us listen to just a short piece, which is one of several pieces for solo guitar. Listen to this. Let's hear one more. It was too short.
You heard two of three waltzes for the guitar by our mystery composer. One thing I think I should add right away here, he did not have any difficult time climbing, for he left his native country to study at a conservatory of music in Germany, which was very famous at the time, graduated with honors, and that was when he was barely 22 years of age. And we're going to hear a composition that he wrote just at that time in a moment. And later on, he moved to the artistic Mecca of Paris, and there he composed all kinds of things, was championed by such diverse conductors as Charles Munch and Karl Böhm and Bruno Walter and Georg Scholte and Eugene Ormandy and Leonard Bernstein. And so he had no want for recognition at that point. And I thought at this point we should listen to one of those, might almost call it graduation pieces, at the age of 22 from the Conservatory of Music in Germany. This is a piano quintet.
was a fairly recent recording of a quintet for piano and strings. This was Opus 2, written in 1928. As a matter of fact, our mystery composer was just 19 years of age then. It's the last movement, and it was performed by Leonard Penario, piano, Andre Granat, violin, Sheldon Sanov, viola, Milton Thomas, viola, and Nathaniel Rosen, uh, cello. So this is a work which is a fairly recent vintage as far as recording is concerned, written early in our Mr. Composer's career. And this is our program once again today, the monthly Mystery Composer Quiz. Can you name the composer? I think by now you must have detected a bit of a, a national identity, difficult to hide. Even though our mystery master has always been interested in, in the classical background, he found it difficult to have anyone mistake his country of origin. He had never been a man to do anything by halves, let me put it this way. His early encounters were with authentic peasant music of his country were life-changing. But having decided that he did not want to follow directly in the footsteps of some of his famous contemporaries and compatriots, he did not want to become conformingly official as a nationalist of his country. So, as I mentioned earlier, he went to Leipzig to study. study. What else can you do in Leipzig? <laughs> and there he embraced the Austro-German tradition for all it was worth. His chief mentors, Karl Strauber, Hermann Grabner, they were both steeped in Bach. Strauber, after all, was cantor of the St. Thomas Church, as Bach had been two centuries before. And also Max Reger, the greatest of the neo-Bachian contrapuntalists, whose death in 1916 was still relatively fresh in the memory when our young mystery master arrived. And out of the mix of these seemingly incompatible elements, namely the folk song of his country and the German classicism, he created his own style, and that's represented in his... in his... Uh, entire output, collection, evolved, and the, the lyrical quality, much of its rhythmic vitality, come from folk song, and the formal relationship between imagination, that is, I'm talking about melodic inspiration, and discipline, namely compositional technique, romantic influences, particularly orchestration-wise, are more readily admitted to his scores for which he's better known. To that we'll come in just a little while. Right now, I would like to have this program continue with a first movement of a violin concerto, which was recorded by Yasha Heifetz. I won't mention the orchestra because that would uh, enable you to get to your catalog and look it up. Let's just listen. <laughs> Thank you. 
Well, what you heard was the last movement of the violin concerto by our mystery master, which incidentally is captured, captioned, Allegro non troppo, ma passionato. Not too fast, but passionate. That's exactly the way Mr. Heifetz played it. And there's a little story to this violin concerto, which I don't want to keep from you. He composed it, our mystery composer, during his student years, but he did not want to have it published. So the sketches he made in 1953 were shown to Yasha Heifetz by Emmanuel Bay, Bay, very often pronounced, his accompanist. And with Mr. Heifetz's encouragement, the mystery master completed the work in Italy in just six weeks. And then 18 months of frequent consultation. Can you imagine that opportunity to be composing hand-in-glove with the artist? These frequent consultations produced a score which was really tailored to Mr. Heifetz's specifications. He gave the premiere with Walter Hendel, that great conductor who should be much better known than he is, and the Dallas Symphony Orchestra in 1956, and that's the version you heard in this program, entitled once again, Name the Composer, Mystery Composer Quiz. But now let me turn to a different department of his writing, which, for which he is far better known, and that really we have to devote the remainder of this program to. It was in 1937 that a fellow composer and compatriot offered our mystery composer the opportunity to score films, possibilities of which had been earlier outlined by another famous friend, namely Arthur Honegger. And so, indeed, at the outbreak of war, our mystery composer settled not only in California, but specifically in Hollywood. He was appointed professor in 1945 of film music at the University of Southern California and composed there for the film studios. And here is one of the famous examples of one of the most popular films, popular in part because of his music.
Paul, this is compelling music, and it is from one of the films which earned our mystery composer his first two Academy Awards. Many are the films, and if I were to read them to you now, you would have it all. But we have one more step to go, namely, after the Violin Concerto was premiered, there came the music for a film which gained our Phantom Master his third Academy Award and his association with the historical film that this brought about continued into the 60s, oh, with films that everybody would recognize. Let's just listen to the music first, and then we'll identify it. This, perhaps his most famous film score.
Well, on this lyrical note, we end the musical part of this mystery composer quiz. If you didn't guess it by now, let me tell you that he is far better known today for his film scores than anything else. And even though these other compositions that we heard today were written, at least the later ones, between the film scores. Let me keep you no longer guessing here. We are dealing today with the music of Miklos Rosha, the Budapest-born, gifted Hungarian master, R-O-Z-S-A. Let me go backwards here. What you heard was, first of all, the very last one, Ben-Hur, Prelude and the Love Theme, Esther and Judah. Before that, the triumphal march from Quo Vadis. Who can forget those films once you've seen them? We began with the Hungarian Serenade, which was written in between some of the film scores, the first part. That was followed by two of the three waltzes for guitar and the quintet for piano and strings, opus two, and then the first movement of the violin concerto, which was really brought to life by Jascha Heifetz with the Dallas Symphony Walter Handel conducting. Among the film scores that should be mentioned here, certainly the first one that he wrote was King Without Armor, A Tale of the Russian Revolution, which was followed by the whimsical Divorce of Lady X, and then The Four Feathers, among other assignments, and then in between came Hungarian Sketches for Orchestra. This is what I mean. Then, at the outbreak of war... We have scores such as The Thief of Baghdad and Lady Hamilton and Lydia and The Jungle Book. And Hollywood was quick to recognize and utilize Mr. Rocha's talents and emerging American film scores became more and more known. The Last Weekend, The Killers, The Red House, Brute Force, uh, Crisscross, Cross, The Bribe and The Asphalt Jungle. And then came, in between, the Concerto for Strings. There we are again. And then the professorship at the University of Southern California and the Academy Awards for such films as Quo Vadis and Ivanhoe and Plymouth Adventure and Julius Caesar and Young Bess and Diane and Knights of the Round Table and The King's Thief and The Brothers Were Valiant and Moonfleet and Lust for Life amazing score after score. Uh, certainly, some of you may remember Men of the Fighting Lady and Seagulls over Sorrento and A Time to Love and A Time to Die. These were military subjects and made also a foray into the world of Western with tribute to Batman. And then The Private Life of Sherlock Holmes the stock drama, the overture of a symphony concert that was in 1957, Ben-Hur, surely one, one of the best known, and it continued into the 60s with the King of Kings and El Cid and Sodom and Gomorrah, but then there were also more diverse assignments with the VIPs and the power and the green berets and on and on and on. Surely a composer who was best known for his Hollywood achievements. But I was very anxious to have you listen also to some of the compositions 
for which he is not known, and yet would show his consummate mastership of composition. So it's been a great pleasure to assemble this program for you. Our mystery composer today, Miklos Rosha. Adventures in Good Music. You can learn more about this series on our web blog, www.classicalmusic.network. Adventures in Good Music with Dr. Carl Haas on classicalmusic.network.